Bank to the Future 2.0 with Chris Titley. Hi, it's Chris Titley here as part of the Morgan's Bank to the Future 2.0 podcast series. I'm joined by Elliot Donizan, founder at Payble. Elliot, thanks so much for being part of this series. Thank you, Chris. I'm excited to join you. Elliot, let's talk about Payble though. Going back to the early days, um, what, how did the business uh, come about and a little bit about yourself? Yeah, for sure. Well, if, if it's all right, I'll, I'll start with me. I have a background um, in software technology startups. So since uni, I've, I've been a founder and had um, a couple of companies, one of which had um, a, a small exit, um, but enough for me to really think, hey, this is I really love this stuff. I love new market development. I love the craft and the art of taking something from idea through to commercialization and scale. Um, and with that um, in mind, I actually spent some time after that exit and I worked for a, a family office for a little bit trying to find what was the next idea I wanted to invest time in. Um, and I actually, did, to, to kick off where we started, I actually um, met a company called Identity, which is ASX listed, and I was doing some contracting work for them around some of their software, um, ad- advising them on go-to-market and that sort of thing. Um, and it was quite organically, we decided to start um, a business, start Payable, mm-hmm. um, in order to modernize household billing and payments. Um, but if I wind back right to the start, you know, when it was on a whiteboard and I'm there with the, with the <laughs> yep. um identity team, it was, um, I bring that founding energy and that knowledge of how to commercialize a startup from literally whiteboard through to commercialization, customers live, et cetera. Um, They had some IP that was interesting for us at identity that we assigned to the company. Um, And so, and we both became shareholders. And then the third piece of that element was we wanted a bank partner we could work with that would obviously contribute to scale long-term and on that whiteboard, we dreamed up those three things, you know, <laughs> starting tech, yep. money and capability. Um, and our partner there became Commonwealth Bank's X15 Ventures. And Chris, we were their first external investment and they came in like pre-seed, literally uh, you know, pre-revenue, pre-customer. Yeah, wow. right at the start. That's, um, you know, X15 is a household name now. So you're being the first is certainly um, yeah, a, bit, a bit of an honor putting putting that hat on. Now, identity, in, in my understanding, is more of a, a reg tech style of business. How did that kind of morph into the idea of what you're trying to do? Yeah, identity, um, they've niched down into reg tech. They were looking at broader um, exploration around payments and they had a blockchain um, solution. Um, and at the time I was they had like a lot of projects that they were looking to commercialize as well as their core product but you'd look at them as as, as secondary um, and the work that I did led into um, hey there's something we should do together it's very different to what you do mm. but there's some IP here that would be useful but it fundamentally the return for identity is significantly greater if it's not run as a project internally it's run as a business that's externally funded as well and going from that whiteboard to the next phase of incorporating a business and going full-time on it so can you talk about that process and then the traction that you've you know you've got along the way yeah I'd love I'd love to talk about like the market bit, like sure. the customer yeah, bit, because most people talk about, oh, well, we did this and then we got funding and then that was the key <laughs> moment. But really it was, it was the, um, the, the customers. So with the, with the knowledge that this was worth, this, this was interesting and worth putting some smart people on to look at, like as in my time and, 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 and some team time, um, we did a lot of market exploration in our space about household billing and payments and, 
um, probably 20 or 30 discovery conversations with large billers. So think of utility companies, think of um, government organizations, that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and then when, and this to me was market discovery, it wasn't, uh, which is typically you measure by can you pre-sell or can you get insight, but also you're measuring other things, Chris, like can we even get discovery? Will people talk to us? If people won't talk to you, you're actually validating it's not a market you can enter as a startup because there's a reason they won't talk to yep. you, which means you need to target another segment. But there, that process was about three to six months. It was significant, but we actually pre-sold our MVP through that process to one uh, energy company. And then that really kicked, you know, once you've got a customer and then you've got an MVP, it's kind of like, hey, let's put the cash in. And you actually have that more organic kind of, kind of VC, pre-seed, seed kind of story starting there. Excellent. And then and then from that validation, you, you would have feedback loops or, or at least kind of suggestions from the client about what could be done better, et cetera. How have you found that in regards to the, the clients you've got and the, and the features that you've ended up with at the moment? Yeah, it's, it's pretty exceptional. In fact, we've built in, so there's, um, you know, you get customer feedback and client feedback, but our, our buyer is different to our user in a large organization because we, we sell mainly to um, local government and large utilities. So the users are often people in like um, accounts receivable or payment optimization mm. teams. But the buyer is like the CFO or the or the CIO, so they those have they have different feedback. The real interesting one for me is obviously the users. The second one is the feedback loops we've built into the product for um, the end consumer who also uses the product. So we pop surveys at a number of points as people interact with the product. Like how easy was that? Which is um, customer effort scoring, which is just anyone's interested in CES, it's a better indicator of um, repeat behavior than something like NPS. I've never heard of that before. So what is it, CES? Talk us through. CES, customer effort score. Okay, yep. So if you if you look at most, um, uh, you know, oh, people talk about NPS. NPS, yep. you know, how like you would recommend this to a friend or, or, or and they're trying to measure things like preferences and repeat behavior. I'm not going to recommend to my friends they should pay their energy bill. Like that's a crappy <laughs> user experience. It's yep. not something I enjoy. And that's what Payball does. It helps you pay your energy bill. Um, and it also automates on the biller's end all the reconciliations that they have to do and that sort of stuff. A more effective question is how easy was that? And then let them leave a comment. And so we've built that feedback loop in. Um, and our average rating is 4.8 out of 5 for that question. How easy is that? And we're not talking... Like, great, you've just bought new shoes. Did you like that? <laughs> it's you've paid a bill you don't want to pay. Yep. How easy was it? And leave a comment. Um, and Chris, the feedback loop there, we've linked up directly into Slack in its own channel so we can get the dopamine hits every day. And I'm just looking at like, at uh, we're, we're, we're doing this in the morning, but like 8.41, easy to navigate. And then we got at 8.19. Mate, no joke, one of the easiest and smoothest ways to pay. Awesome. Thank okay, you. so you're, you're putting an unpleasurable experience and you're making it somewhat a little bit um, easier and, 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 and faster for people so they can get on with their lives, right? Yeah. Um, and, and in regards to the, the B to B to C, you, you didn't touch on that in terms of the different touch points on your organisation. How have you gone about managing that and and then from the b2b point of view you said you've targeted utility companies and, and councils is that by by deliberate sort of you know market sort of testing or is that is there other verticals that you want to attack as well yeah good question so we look at our customer is the enterprise or the government the biller and we attack that market um 
you know, the focus of my, me personally is demand generation and winning that market. So what comes as a result of winning a customer in that market is they implement our technology. It's both front end, which like consumers interact with, and back end, which means in their billing infrastructure, we exist and we do things like automate, um, increase customer communications, but it's we do a lot of things that aren't just the customer interface, and that's something a lot of um, uh, a lot of people don't 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 realize about our value. And then because of that, when we're integrated with the biller, they start doing things like putting our QR codes on their invoices or our automated SMS technology that, that lets customers know when their when, when their bill has arrived and how to pay it. They just naturally use PayPal as a preference. We don't necessarily need to convince them that like, oh, you've got this and that and PayPal's here and you should do that. Um, because through PayPal, you can pay by direct debit card, multiple methods. I actually, at this point, you know, we have our little powered by PayPal logo down the bottom, but all of our experiences are, are biller branded. It's not important to us to build the consumer knowledge of what we do. Mm. It's just, hey, I got a bill. Oh God, it's a lot. Oh, scan to pay. Oh, you can pay weekly. Cool scan done thanks that was easy like that's the solution from that yep and then when it comes to um the tangible savings from the, the business or the council or the utility company that you're dealing with have you got some sort of numbers or metrics around you know how material it is to to pay on time and also you know pay in an easier way yeah so we look at four areas um first one is team efficiency or you know team time savings um, it's, we measure it in the thousands of hours for billers that, right, that that's a good metric, we work actually. with. Yeah. yeah. So that's, remember, we work with billers that bill at least sort of 20 million bucks a year. So there's a, a task like a um, customer needing to submit a form to enroll in fortnightly payments, even if it's a digital form, generally that goes to an operator, they calculate the payments, they key them into the billing system, right? That's a 15-minute task mm -hmm. in the best case. In the worst case, that forms a paper form that then goes somewhere else that multiple, like, so yep. depend, So you look at that, you have an organization that has 50,000 consumer customers and currently with household pressure rising, um, they might get 4% needing to submit that form. Suddenly you've say, you know, you automate that. And it's not just the form, it's making the billing system understand when it gets lots of little payments, this bill is paid and it's reconciled. It's not overdue. Um, so that, that's team time, like mm. thousands of hours, real, real easy one for us to articulate and draw out. And the billers know they have this problem. Um, then the second one is about um, increasing the speed of cash collection, lowering the cost of that collection. And those are um, metrics that um, like I can't, I can't schedule it if my bills, because we've, we've, but it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yep. And it depends on their cost mm. of capital. Yep, and and with you, you did touch on there the sort of the rising costs of the household. Are you seeing any sort of, you know, businesses go actually we can extend the terms or there's payment plans or things like that, which you think okay this is really, really good from that provider to help me through this you know probably an unprecedented time in terms of inflation and and you know severe interest rate rises. Yeah, it, there's definitely been a shift. It's not a it hasn't been a sudden shift. We've we've known and you know. There was a lot of you know, pre-COVID what's going to happen um, concern. Like 56% of Australians right now say that they're struggling to pay at mm -hmm. least one bill. Um, interesting for our model is like it's not afterpay for bills. It's as someone goes, we, we convince the biller or we show them that, hey, biller, you already have a process for people to pay you fortnightly. 
you actually just make it really, really hard and costly for them to access it in yeah. your time and their experience. Let's make that digital and keep them on track. Then through that data, we actually show that they end up with collecting cash faster. Um, so we've got more data on that to show them. But the industry, the acceptance of partial, of a bill is a request for a payment. And often they're on things that consume timelines that consumers don't think about quarters. Like what is a quarter yep. in a consumer's it's monthly, quarterly. Life? I have all different weekly billings and yeah. different things. Yep. Yep. So and, we and different pay cycles as well. Right. Exactly. So we approach it as it's Netflix style billing for um, household services. Um, it's it allows the consumer to pick their start date of their payment um, so that if they want to pay fortnightly, but they want that fortnight to start in two weeks, all the amounts recalculate to keep them on track. Um, and that is now something that billers are approaching us about going, we want to support, we're seeing the cost of capital or the rise in arrears and the cost that has to serve. Um, does this, does this work how you say it does? Like, can it really do all these things? Can you really re if someone misses a payment, can you really recalculate all the future payments to keep them on track? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then in regards to sort of putting the hat on for the 12 months time or in the medium term, you know, how do you, how do you see payable and where do you, where do you want the business to be? an awesome question um i want so we've got uh our our niche market at, at the moment or our, our beachhead is local government rates payments um we're doing quite well there we've got um 11 um oh, wow. that's there. a lot of uh, a lot of revenue that uh, that's been billed i suppose isn't it yeah in fact most people don't realize that a mid-sized council has a revenue of about 100 million dollars wow okay yeah yep. so it's, it's it's a good sector um it's very hard to start servicing as you can imagine it's government but once you're in you get some um you know you get good referrals and and and, and you can build a good niche um but i want to win over the next kind of two years at least 60 percent of the local government market in australia mm. and that's real significant arr and then two movements from there. One is um, moving internationally. There's, there's geographies like the UK and the US that actually fundamentally run very similar council tax or property tax collection systems mm. where they send a bill and want the customer to pay it um, and they run on old infrastructure but partners that we already integrate with in, in many cases. So expand geographically to adjacent segment. The other one is we already work with utilities and we kind of, um, we're not actively targeting more of them. But there's also state service, and that's just for resourcing at the moment. It's better to niche down. But there's state-owned utilities like water companies, um, Ergon Energy up in Queensland, expanding our use case intentionally and purposefully into that those second segments where we've already got evidence we can win. It's just it's better for resourcing just to target one segment mm. more aggressively. Elliot, fantastic. Thanks so much for, for, for recapping um, the business of Payble, the, the behind the scenes of how it began uh, within Identity the whiteboard and then and then progressing through to the customers that you've got now. Congratulations on the 11 or so customers. Lots of billing opportunities, as you mentioned, in terms of the geographic reach as well as different verticals. Congratulations, as, as I mentioned before, on what you've achieved and looking forward to catching up. Chris, thank you so much. This podcast is for general information purposes only and does not take into account anyone's personal circumstances.